Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. If you take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, the passage we read just a few moments ago, 18 to 21, because there's something I'd like to show you about that passage. It's kind of uh, important to us. We'll start with that, and then I've got some other things to share with you. This passage of Scripture reminds us that we're not to be drunk with wine. We're not to, to be doing that because it gives us dissipation. Uh, dissipation means that it's excessive living. I don't really put a guard on myself. I don't really pay attention to what I'm doing. So I live in kind of an insane way, if you would. But instead of following that insanity, it says, be filled with the Spirit. And that word filled can mean pour into a container and fill up the container, but it also means to complete. That's its biggest meaning. It means to complete you, to complete a something. It's the word that's used for a prophecy. When a prophecy is given back here in time, and then here it shows up in time, that prophecy is now completed. That's what it means to be filled. It's a fulfillment. So when you are being filled with the Spirit, you're being a completed person. You're finishing out what God has started. You're allowing God to make you the being you were supposed to be. Well, this Ephesians 5.18 passage, as you look at it, it, it gives us this clue. Be filled with the Spirit. That is a, a verb that everything else is hooked to. So this verb, be filled, has these words hooked to it because the next words are all participles. The little I-N-G words there. What I'm supposed to do as, as I'm being filled with the Spirit, a result of it and something that completes it is this. I am praising God. Look at that, that next verse. Verse 19 says, giving, I'm, I'm praising the Lord, singing those songs to one another. When we sing those songs, Jeff, when, when your praise team sings those songs to us, we're singing them right back at you. We're all singing them to the Lord. So we get, a, we get this beautiful thing going. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we're doing. So always be, be singing in the Spirit. You follow where I'm coming from? We want, to, we want to always be reflected back up to God again. This is not just for our sakes. We do it to each other, and in that, the Spirit works in us. Everybody follow where I'm coming from? When you are filled with the Spirit, praise is what comes out of your mouth. But that's not all. He said the next thing is giving thanks unto God through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thanksgiving comes out of your mouth. Well, if I enter his gates with thanksgiving, I'll enter his courts with praise. If I'm thanking him for what he's done, then I'll naturally praise him for who he is. So I got this locomotive being pulled, pushed, pulled along here. It's pulling along these cars of praise, and it's pulling along a car of thanksgiving, and it's pulling along a car of submission. And here's a crazy thing. Each of these push the locomotive. That doesn't happen to most trades. In other words, these are all triggers. Thanksgiving, submission, praise are triggers that makes the train operate. Is that cool or what? So I know this, that if I submit myself to, to one another, 
Not only is that the result of being filled with the Spirit, but it's what causes me to be filled with the Spirit. If I start thanking God for something instead of complaining, it's what triggers the Holy Spirit's completion of me, and now the Holy Spirit completes me so that I can think differently than I thought before. If I begin to praise God, it triggers the Holy Spirit to meet me partway, finish me up, complete me, and now I am walking in the Spirit, I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm abiding in Christ, and I'm being completed. God has started a good work in you. Remember what Paul said in Philippians? I am confident that he who began a good work in me will finish it to the day of Jesus Christ. The finisher is the Holy Spirit. The finisher is the one that's conforming us to the image of his son all the time. That's what I'm going to call today spirit-aided sanity. Last week we dealt with spirit-aided insanity. So let's talk about just for a few minutes about what I meant by spirit-aided insanity. Point number one, insanity is to reject the truth for the lie that we are the standard for knowing truth. What's the lie? That's all the way back here in Genesis chapter 3. The, the, our, our parents followed the lie not the truth. The truth was, don't eat from the knowledge of the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eat from the tree of life. I will teach you everything you need to know. We'll be together. We'll walk together. We'll be in union together. I'll show you everything you need to know. Don't eat from that one over there. That's not how you're going to learn things. That's not how I want you to do things. That's not how I want you to learn things. The lie came when it said God lied to you. That's not the reason he doesn't want you to do it. He knows that on the day that you eat, You'll be just like the other gods. You'll be just like God. That's the lie. That is, you'll be the standard for your own truth. That is a plague to us from the start. We'll believe we're our own standard for truth. You follow that? So insanity starts with us rejecting truth and accepting all this, uh, um, the lie, whatever's going to be in that, the content of that lie, all right? So that's insanity. Let's go on further. Insanity is to create a priestly class of our own making who speaks to us our word of truth and teaches us towards the creature rather than the creator. That's what we got from Romans chapter 1 last week. What does it do? That insanity causes us to create a class of authorities who tell us what we believe, who tell us what are the rituals that we must follow, who tell us the things we're supposed to, to be paying attention to. Can I share with you that those are academicians, those involved in ac academics? Look, I full well appreciate academics, but in, in order for us to have good academics, you have to start with truth. Just because you... you, you have majored in a lie, and you've told it often enough, and now you've, you've created a whole system out of a lie, doesn't make you an educated person. If through all of that you're still saying there is no God, can I, can I just share with you? Scriptures already talk about you. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. So if, even if you're high-ranking in all the academics you can, but you've been training yourself in the lie and not the truth, you're, you're a well-trained fool. 
Does that make sense? That's insanity, kids. That's insanity. So it's not only that. We, we raise up such things as Big Pharma and all of its support agencies. You know, every time you see an advertisement that tells you, here's this thing that's going to help you out. This is what's going to be really good for you. And then it turns around and tells you, here are some side effects. You could die. You could stop breathing. You might not ever swallow again. Your, your, your insides will turn wrong side out, but you will not have problems with your heart anymore. Okay? Kids, why do we believe this? You, you follow where I'm coming from? What, what is it that gives them that kind of credibility? Well, let me, let me go on further with you. There's a whole, well, how about celebrities? There's a priestly cast. You know, I, I am not, you ever thought about this? Why would I trust an actor about what he says in his opinion? What does he do for a living? He lies. Are you following me? That's his occupation. He's got to make you believe he's somebody he's not. And the, the, when they're really effective at it, we say, that's the guy I really want to follow. You know what the Greek word for actor is? Hupokrisis. Uh, the, the U in there is a Y. It's hypocrisis, hypocrite. That's what a hypocrite is. It's an actor, and that is legit. When they had somebody that had to be on the stage, they knew who it was that was on stage, but he's got to be a hypocrite. He's got to be somebody he's not, and the best actors were convinced, they convinced you that there's somebody they're not. What makes them the priestly cast that I want to hear what their opinion is about anything when I know they are paid regularly to lie about things? When we've got our own truth, we will create a priestly cast to keep it going. That's insanity. Insanity is to accept perversion as truth. Insanity is to live life as a practical atheist. What I mean by practical atheist is God is irrelevant. It doesn't matter whether God is there or he's not there. If I'm not praying, if I'm not worshiping him, if I'm not praising him, he's of no benefit. He's irrelevant. If I can go through the day making my own decisions and I never consult him at all, I never even think about him, I never let his word cross my mind, I'm an atheist, just a practical atheist. I don't need to have all that God stuff. You follow me? Because he's really not relevant. That's insanity. Insanity are the warring principalities and powers with their hordes of demonic and unclean spirits assist us in our rebellion against God with supernatural power. You know, I'm, I'm always amazed when I look at the Scripture. The, the Scriptures tell us that there was a guy named Elijah. And Elijah really withstood the, the forces of Baal and uh, Ashtoreth. That, those were two of the gods of the, the northern Israel. Withstood them. Had that big showdown on Mount Carmel. Well, Elijah did die. He was gone, or at least was taken away. That same Elijah is spoken of years later 
in, in the last book of the Bible, Malachi, as coming again. Elijah is supposed to come again and bring the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. Is Elijah going to be resurrected and brought back again? Or as um, that Jesus told them, John the Baptist was Elijah if you had received him. Is there a spirit of Elijah that's coming back then? Is that what it is? Well, whatever, we, whatever it is, whatever is the correct biblical explanation of that, here's something we can know. That there is Baal that's been in this world from early on. There's one Ashtoreth that's been in the world early on. Marduk has been in the world since early on. They come by a variety of names and a variety of gods, but there's been a spirit that has exhibited itself in various ways. Baal exhibited himself through Ahab. Ashtoreth exhibited herself through Jezebel. And Jezebel is talked about in the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation, he, he complains about a church receiving and tolerating that wicked Jezebel. Guys, there is a spirit that operates in the world all the time. And we have to be a people who recognize that and stop letting people tell us that, no, 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 that's just superstition. It is not superstition. It's the absolute truth. They are operating in the world. They are wicked. Um, Baal is a wicked one. Ashtoreth is wicked. Babylon is wicked. All of those have been operating as spirits in the world from the beginning. And they are with us even to this day. They aid us in our, our insanity. When you want to be insane, they will grant to us supernatural powers to be crazy, crazy insane. All right? Let's go what is meant by spirit-aided sanity. First of all, let's get this. We're not meant to be alone or work alone. When God was creating us back here at, at the garden, he was not intending for us to be alone. He's going to walk with us. He's going to be in union with us. He's going to let us take care of this whole planet, and he's even going to be like we would be children. He's going to watch us do our innovations, the things that we're going to do that reveal his creative spirit. We were meant to be in union with him. It was distrust that broke that union. We were never meant to be alone. Even after he creates man, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. And he created woman. Because that's, that's going to be a reflection of the whole way he's operating with us. We were to be in union with Almighty God and to do our work that way. Sin broke that bond. So let me just go back and say here, Sin and trust, distrust separate us from this bond. Sanity would be to live as God intended us to. Sanity would be for us to know the fear of the Lord. That is, even from back here, we knew there was somebody greater than us. We didn't bring ourselves here. We knew we were created by him. We knew that he was going to walk in the garden. We knew he was going to be there. We knew those things. And to be in the fear of the Lord is what he intended for us to be. We exhibited that fear of the Lord when we ran to get away from him in that temptation. We could hear him walking in the garden. We wanted to get away from him. 
Why? Because we know we are accountable. The fear of the Lord is to know you're accountable. You're not free to make your own decisions. You're not free to do things. Well, I should say, you're free to make your decisions. You're not free to live without the consequences. Those consequences are still going to come. You follow where we're at? So sanity is about knowing the fear of the Lord. Number two, it is the love of God. It's knowing the love of God. If you have come to the place where you have seen what Jesus Christ has done for you and you have trusted Jesus Christ, you have learned the love of God. That's sanity. The next thing, it's not only the love of God, it's the grace of God. If you know enough to know that you have been saved by grace, then let it stay with grace. Don't, don't keep thinking there's something you can do to earn that. You cannot. And don't keep thinking there's something you can do that disqualifies you from that. He gave you eternal life. It was his grace. All right? Next thing. It's to participate with the Holy Spirit in everything. By everything, that's a Greek word that means everything. That means eating Drinking, sleeping, walking. You understand where I'm coming from? It's in everything. The Holy Spirit. It is not just, well, I need the Holy Spirit so I can sing good songs. You need the Holy Spirit so you can sing good songs. It's true. Do you need Holy Spirit so you can walk? Yes. You need Holy Spirit so you can walk. You see, but I, I've been walking since I was a kid. I didn't need. Folks, who gives you the ability to walk? And I can tell you that sometimes that ability can be taken away. Not always the way that you wanted it to be taken away. He wanted us to participate with him in everything. It is to think the way God thinks. We were, according to Isaiah 57, our ways are not his ways. We don't think the way he thinks. His thoughts are not ours. And because that's true, there's got to be a way for us to be able to get back to what we lost back here. If we lost that back here, how, did, how could I learn to think the way he's thinking? That can only be done if God teaches me how to think the way he thinks. If we're in union with each other so that I can get that thought. All right? So sanity is walking in the, the same way he thinks about things. Sanity is to think his thoughts after him. It's to agree with him in his assessment of things. It is to be in full union with God, authorized and empowered by him to do his will. It's to be able to say, things happen that look like they're going to change everything. Last Friday, went to the hospital to see Sue. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the timing, the way God works things. I, was, I needed to go see Sue. I wanted to see her, and I wanted to leave at such and such time. But some things came up. I couldn't leave at that time, so I had to wait till later to leave. So I, I left later. And when I walked into Sue's room, she was in tears. Uh, she said, you must have seen the doctor as, as you came in. I said, uh, no, I, I, of course, I didn't know who the doctor was, so I, I may have and just didn't know it. She said, the doctor was just in here and said, the hospital cannot do my surgery. I'm a transplant patient. I can't do my surgery. So I can't get the surgery done here. It can only happen over in St. Louis. And the nurse had just come in and said, St. Louis has no openings at all, so it'll be Monday or Tuesday before we get to you. To lay there with a displaced hip, fractured, 
from until at least next Tuesday was a big deal. And she's going through all of that. You follow that? Now, can I tell you this? Because you're a believer in Christ does not free you from those situations. Those are going to happen. That's a part of who we are as people. Everybody with me? Is it right to be bothered by that information? Yes. Yes, if that information doesn't bother you, take a pulse. Maybe something's not ticking the way it ought to tick. You you follow me? That should bother you. That's out of your control. That's bad news. But when I say this, you don't have to live there. You follow me? When something hits us, bam! Listen, if, if somebody hits you in the nose, you don't go around saying, oh, thank you. And everything, give thanks. So thank you for that. Excuse me while I get some of this blood away, okay? No, you, you go, ouch. It hurts. That's a natural response. And when you hear some bad news, it's a natural response. Well, was she upset? Yes, she was upset. Was she wrong for doing it? No. But here's what we could do. We could back and stop just for a second and say, Holy Spirit, be with us. Help us understand. So, so what we talked about is, wait a minute. This is just God moving the pieces around. That you, you, you're going to have to, somebody's going to have to leave the hospital. Somebody over at Barnes is going to have to free up a room, and somebody's going to get to go home. They didn't know was going to get to go home. Somebody's going to have a doctor that walked in and said, guess what? Your test came out positive. You can go. All right, man, you're in good shape. And they weren't expecting to go home. So we just think it through for a moment. Okay, so they, then she says, well, my doctor told me that I can't have surgery until all my blood thinner's out. Oh, okay. Well, how long does that take? 48 hours. Ooh. So in other words, you couldn't have surgery now anyway. That's right. I can't have surgery now anyway. Isn't God great? She's going, why? I said, look, he stops anybody from making a bad decision. What if, what if somebody said, oh, we didn't know about the blood thinner. You don't want to be bleeding out. So God was gracious in and he said, nope, not yet. I haven't got all the pieces moved. I got to clear up some things in your body here. And then I got to move this patient over here and I'm going to bless this guy by letting him know he gets to go home today. And I'm going to bless this family saying, hey, they can have the whole weekend together again. This is, I'm going to clear up some rooms and hey, the doctor now is actually going to be on call. So instead of it being Monday or Tuesday when he operates, he can actually operate on Sunday. Guess what, kids? He can operate on Saturday. Listen, I watched as the Holy Spirit brought Sue right back into a very calm situation. As God's Holy Spirit, you follow where I'm coming from? Because she was willing to do the trigger, thank you, Lord. That's the trigger. That's the trigger. And God's Spirit went to work, brought some peace and some grace to her there. So I get back here, and I've been back here maybe 40 minutes. And I open up Facebook, and here is a deal from Peggy Murphy. Hey, praise God. Um, Sue is going to have surgery uh, uh, Sunday afternoon. Hot? can't be. I said, so I write to Peggy in St. Louis. Well, Peggy, who 
doesn't stay on Facebook all the time. Oh, I need people to stay on Facebook all the time so I can talk with them, right? So Amy answers, nope, I think it's here. They can't do it here. She's transplanted. They can't do it here. Okay, thank you, Father, for whatever you're doing. Has to be St. Louis. Wow, how did you do that? Peggy writes later, about three hours later, you know, Doug, yes, it's in St. Louis. How did that happen, kids? That's 30 minutes after I walk out of that room, all of a sudden the rooms open up in barns. And a surgery scheduled not simply for Sunday, but for Saturday. Gang, God's Spirit will work with us because it's to be in union with Him. Everybody with me? All right, let me, let me, let me move on. That was just... You got that one for free. That's not in the notes, okay? Letter, letter C. No, 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 I should say. It's to know the fear of the Lord. It's to participate with the Holy Spirit and everything. It's to think the way God thinks. It's to think his thoughts after him. It is to be in full union with God, authorized and empowered by him to do his will. Do you believe that's possible? Now, look, I'm going to ask you to stay, stay with me on this because this is really a matter of faith, all right? Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection and reconnects the human spirit to God's spirit. Born again as a child of God, he removes the barrier to our relationship with God. When we were over here and distrusted him, God said, if you do that, you will die. Die does not mean cease to exist. Die, dying means to be separated from. When you die, my brother and sister, and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your spirit's going to leave that body. That's death, when the spirit is separated from the body. But when you are separated from the body, you are present with the Lord. You follow where we're at? So those, those two things take place there. Death means separation. So Adam and Eve now became separated from God. How'd they do so? He boots them out of the garden. They can't be where the presence of the Lord is. They're now outside that presence. They're outside the union. They don't get to have that daily communion. He's not going to walk with them in the wilderness. He walked with them in the garden. So now they're going to be facing life by themselves. That's called insanity. Are you with me? Because the garden was where sanity was. It's insanity to walk in your own thoughts, all right? So when Christ comes, he takes dead folk and gives them life. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Spirit comes in and causes a wonderful thing to take place in you. Matter of fact, I think I've got that written here. Yeah, let's, let's just go on to that. Um, I'll get you that one in just a minute. Here we go. Letter D in the outline, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to authorize us and empower us to live here and now in union with the living God forever when true faith in him is present. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you get the Holy Spirit now. It's intended as your power of being for every day, for everything that you do. Follow the triggers, the Holy Spirit completes you. All right, let me, let me go on further with you. Christ shows us the normal Christian life, and that's John 15, 7 and 8. So if you would, look with me just for a moment at John 15, 7 and 8. 
And if you fellows can get that material to hand out, that would be great. We're going to hand out uh, some things to you here for just a minute. All right. John 15, 7 and 8 reads this. If you abide in me, so what's my responsibility? And my words abide in you. Is that your responsibility? Yes. You're going to know his words and they're going to abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. What? What's his responsibility? Doing it for me, is he not? My responsibility is abide in him, abide, let his words abide in me. As I'm letting those things take place, I pray that's my actions, that's my responsibility, his responsibility, do it. Why? Because I can't do what only God can do. And he won't do what only I can do. Isn't that cool? I can't do what he can do. But I, he won't do what only I can do. Whatever he tells me to do, that's my responsibility. Whatever he says he'll do, that's his responsibility. If he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, whose responsibility is what? What's my responsibility? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's his responsibility? Meet all my needs, right? When we try to flip those and meet all our needs, we're losing something, kids. That's his responsibility. You can't do his responsibility, and he won't do yours. He won't seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness for you. That's your action. Flip it back where it belongs. Everybody with me? That's how the triggers work. That's how normal Christian living is. Well, um, the, the, uh, John 15, 7 to 8, as it says here, verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples. So he's saying this, To be fruitful, you abide in me, and my words abide in you, You'll ask what you desire, so pray. You're going to have to ask him for things, and it shall be done for you. That's his responsibility. By this, my Father is glorified that you produce much fruit. Is that what it says? Nope. Look it over. I'm going to bear much fruit. I'm bearing much fruit. I'm not producing fruit. I am hooked into the vine. And that vine is feeding me with the nutrients that I need. It goes out there, and God has designed the plant so that out of that branch, not back here on the vine, out of that branch comes the fruit that the plant is making. It's coming from the vine, kids. It's not coming from you. It's coming from the vine. So you bear fruit. You're not producing fruit. Your responsibility is to abide in the vine. His responsibility is to give you fruit. Everybody with me? When we keep the responsibilities the way they're supposed to, and I do the triggers that I'm supposed to do, then things work the way they're supposed to work, all right? Do I have enough for everybody? Great, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys' willingness to do that, all right? What I'm giving you today is called My Guide to Sanity. Yep. Now, I could have three-hole punched it because I know you're keeping a, a notebook of my notes and stuff, but here's this, my guide to sanity. Okay, so let's take a look at this. 
I'll embarrass both of us and read the paragraph. All right, it says this. I am a child of God, fully forgiven and accepted in the family of God because of what Jesus did for me in redeeming me. Once, I did not know God personally, but now, because of Jesus, I do know him personally. He has authorized me to represent him and has empowered me to holiness and godliness. He wants to use me as a channel of his love and will. This is one major reason why Jesus saved me as his own. I am made to do good works that God has ordained for me from the beginning. But doing his will is not something he expects me to do in my own energy. He has given me his own Holy Spirit to empower me to do that work. As I resolve in my heart to be obedient with faith, prayer, and I move in that direction, the Holy Spirit of God will meet me to complete in me a God-honoring work. I will do that work by the Holy Spirit, and God is honored because of it. Uh, Let me make sure I'm, yeah. This principle of cooperation with God is demonstrated throughout the Holy Scriptures. It is known as being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and abiding in Christ. It is the normal Christian life. These passages are my God's guides to this lifestyle. I will use the triggers on this page to be um, filled by the Spirit in all my waking hours. This is the blessed and rewarded life. I will bear much fruit because I do not work alone but in union with Christ. This is my put-on to replace the put-off of wrong thought. Everybody with me? All right. So I left you a bunch of scriptures here. Read the scriptures. Then do, do this one thing. Believe the Word of God. Not, not the things around you. Believe the Word of God. Now, having said that, I want you to look what I call triggers. Triggers to be filled with the Spirit. These are things I can use any time, day or night, to be filled with the Spirit. When I use them, the Spirit of God will complete me and my action for godly responses and actions. So here are triggers on the bottom of this page and on the back that you can use any time, day or night. All right. So let's just take a look at some of them here. Change masters and the work I do by doing everything in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Desire no recognition except from Christ. This will change work from temporal to eternal. Here's what I mean by that. You're going to go to work. You got things you're going to do, except for those of you who are retired. God bless you for being retired. But I know you're going to try to do things as well. You're not just going to sit around the, the house all day eating bonbons and watching TV. You're going to be getting up and doing something, right? When you do, change who you're doing it for. You got an employer. It's wonderful to work for that employer. But if I can say this. Change who you're working for from that employer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just go one step above it, okay? Christ gave you the job. Christ gave you the employer. This employer is part of what's going to conform you to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So love the employer, but work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't expect anything from the employer as if he's going to say, wow, you're, doing a, you're a great employee. You're wonderful. He may say that. He may not say that. If you're doing a good job, he may simply not say anything. Why? You're supposed to do a good job. You follow me? So he's probably not going to say anything. 
if you're still working for him and you think you really busted it today to get that work done, and he doesn't stop and say, or she doesn't stop and say, you are the best employee I've ever seen in all the centuries of work. No one is like you. You are one fantastic employee. If they don't say it, you're going to walk away embittered because all you got was a paycheck. When really, your adulation is what should have come. There's no one like you. You're a fantastic employee. If you work for him, stop working for him. He is just another bag of meat like you are. You, you follow where I'm coming from? He, he's, he's, not, he's not got anything going for him other than he's got to answer to God for how he treats his people. All right? So change your employer. Change it at home, too. Change it wherever. Kids, don't just simply obey parents because you're, you, you've been told to. Look at it and say, you know, I worship the Lord Jesus Christ by being obedient to my parents. I don't have a bad attitude toward my parents. They ask me to do some crazy things sometimes. They ask me to do things that I don't want to do. But Jesus is honored when I do. So thank you, Father, for the opportunity for to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and do it. Just do it. Watch what changes, because that's a trigger to have the Holy Spirit meet you partway and complete that work. All right? Let, let me look at a couple more. Faith in God's Word is supreme. That's a trigger. If you start saying God's Word is true over everything else, the Holy Spirit completes you. All right? That's a trigger. Faith in Jesus as the Christ, God come in the flesh. When you are letting the words of Christ dwell in you and Christ himself dwell in you, you are on your way, kids, to getting a trigger of the Holy Spirit that is bringing you to completion. All right? Thanksgiving. Kids, I know this. God must be really, really impressed with Thanksgiving. I know that he really, really dislikes complaint. He puts complaint in the same categories. He puts adultery, idolatry, and murder. So whenever you're complaining, you are not complaining about the thing you think you're complaining about. You're complaining about the God who gave you the thing you're complaining about. And because of that, your complaint comes before him as the opposite of thanksgiving. And he despises it. It says you are inadequate as a provider. You don't know how to take care of me. You don't know how to do good things for me. I am going to do this. Uh, I, I want you to change what you've done. When you instead go, Father, I don't know exactly what you're up to, but I know this. I thank you because my life is still in your hands. You are taking care of me. And I thank you for the provision you have for me today. And you can watch that thing change right before your very eyes. All right? 
Let me give you a couple of others here. Just you can kind of see praise of God, submission to Christ, my brothers and sisters, to God's word, to my employer, to my parents if I live in their home, to the parents under whose roof I live and am protected, to my elders, to the authorities under whom I live. Listen, if you're believing the Lord Jesus Christ and you determine submission is what I'm supposed to be doing, because that's a, a the Holy Spirit will seek to complete you on that. And kids, I'm telling you to turn things around for you right away. So um, forgiving those who wrong me and putting them in a wrong deed done in me in the hands of God Almighty, obedience to the commands of the Lord, acceptance of God's acceptance of me in his family. Stop thinking that God needs someone perfect to accept in his family. You aren't it. But he accepted you in his family anyway. All right. So I resolve to use as many of these as I can with every deed I do, including every mundane routine habit such as the meals I eat, the water I drink, and the common chores I do, as well as those more evident spiritual activities like loving my neighbors myself, meeting another's needs, using my spiritual gifts, and offering praise. In this way, every menial and great task is done for the glory of God. I've got to practice my responsibility. I cannot do what only he can do. His responsibility. He will not do what he told me to do. With every promise, learn the difference. You do yours, he does his. All right? So let's go one more step here. Spirit-aided sanity. Now, these are things you already know, so I'm going to go through them kind of quickly. What the Holy Spirit does for the believer. Number one, he convicts us of sin. You wouldn't even know Jesus Christ if the Holy Spirit hadn't convicted you of sin, righteousness, of judgment. You wouldn't even know him. Then he convinces us of how, how, what Christ plays in that. So you got convicted. You know you're guilty. Now he convinces you that Christ is the one who takes your guilt. He convinces you Christ is the one who paid for your sin. Then he applies the work of Christ to us. He takes that work of the cross and applies it to our old man. The old man's crucified. He takes the work of the resurrection, applies that to us, and a new man is born in us. He rebirths us. He gives us a new birth. He creates in us a new man to replace the crucified old man. He comforts us. He partners with us. That's what he was, I mean, his name means comforter. And he said he's coming to comfort you, give you some comfort as you're going through all kinds of stuff, okay? He partners with us. He teaches us truth. He gives us words to say as witnesses for Christ. He said he's come to witness about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to give you the words for that. He empowers us to do the miraculous work of God. There are things that God only can do. And when he uses a human agency to get that through, fantastic, guys. It's just fantastic to be used by him like that way. That's the Holy Spirit. He gives us at least one spiritual gift. He imparts to us the attributes of God. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. That is the attributes of God. Love, joy, peace, patience. That's all what God is. And he's giving those to you, all right? Furthermore, he leads us, he assures us, he gives us hope. Romans chapter 8 says he intercedes intercedes for us. So what does it mean to walk in or be filled by the Spirit? It means to be led by the Spirit in every way. 
The Spirit's been giving us the Word of God since the beginning. And as the Spirit's been giving us that Word of God, you're out here with a completed Bible. And now you can open that book up and read it, and the Spirit of God who wrote that book is ready to teach you that book, show you things from that book when you are ready to receive them. You don't always receive everything that's in there. You read a text and you start saying, wow, that's really a good text. You may read it two years from now and read it and say, that's like a brand new text to me. I didn't see that before. I can see how I can make application of that now. Because God gives you the answer when you need it. When you're ready for it. When you get, that's the Holy Spirit, guys. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. It means to walk in complete dependence on Him. It does mean that stop before you do it, before you uh, uh, mow the yard. In Jesus' name, I want to thank you for this more. Thank you that I don't have to eat the grass with my teeth. Thank you that you have given this to me. You've given me some way for this thing to be empowered. Thank you. And thank you for the grass that I get to have there. Good green stuff, Father. Thank you for, if, if you use it for compost, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that I'm going to get to use this grass again. Thank you, Lord, for the energy to get it done. Thank you for the, the, the steps that this good energy I'm, I'm using to push this more around the yard here is going to build strength in my body. Thank, thank you so much for a body. Thank you for the sun to do it in. Thank you for the air to breathe. You, you follow where I'm coming from? I do this in the name of Jesus today. And what was just an old lawn mowing now becomes an eternal work of God because it was done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and for his glory. Does that make sense? So I've given you a group of triggers there. In the realm of humility and faith, we believe his promises, act on them doing our responsibility. Whatever I'm called on to do, do that. He will do what he's called on to do. His spirit is waiting to complete you, waiting to fill you out. Uh, honestly, when I was early on in this whole, I read these things about being filled with the spirit. And man, I thought there's, there's some sort of state of mind you got to come to. You know, you got to go someplace and pray and cut yourself or what, whatever you got to do, you know. You've got to, got to do something that convinces God that you really want that spirit. And then realize that's not what he said at all. He said, if, if you know how to give your son some bread when he asks for bread, why would you think your father doesn't know how to give you the spirit in abundance? Then I began to realize this is not all this mystical stuff I thought it was at all. This is very common. This is normal Christian living. And then I ran across Watchman Nee who called it point blank that. Normal Christian living is to be walking in union with God in the fullness of the Spirit. That's what God wants for you for everything you do throughout your day. And that, brothers and sisters, is how you gain your sanity. It's the only way you can keep your sanity in an insane world that has all sorts of spirits working with it to create supernatural things that you just have to keep shaking your head and saying, they said what? They did what? That's insane. Yes, it is. 
And sanity is to know God. God wants you sane. God wants you acting like sane people. Don't make it some mystical way out thing, kids. It is a downright believe God, give thanksgiving, and let God complete you. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of the things that you're giving to us. We ask you to help us to become a people, a special forces unit, if you would, Father, of people who know how to walk with the Spirit, who know how to walk with their God, who know how to be doing the miraculous works of God because you've given them to us. Thank you for what you're going to do in each one of us just now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you in all that you do this day. We ask that you just continue to be filled with the Spirit. You can be completed with the Spirit of God. God wants to give you that Spirit. wants to give it to you and let you do His will. There will not be an evening service at, at 6 tonight, but I would like to ask you to do that. Would you take 6 o'clock when it rolls around, and would you say, I'm going to pray that God will save Israel, that God will revive the church, and that God will grant me this week someone I can talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ. Just those three things. If you can just do those three things, it would be a great thing. All right? Father, thank you so much for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gift of your word, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You are so good to us, and we give you praise for it. Thank you just now for what you're going to do as you dismiss us with your grace and peace. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.